Yo, what up, guys? My name is Angel Wang, and I am your young historian for, I guess, the rest of my life. Now, you know how I've been talking about Kenny Saw Mountain for the last couple of days? Well, mainly about Kenny Saw Mountain. You probably saw that episode. And that actually got pretty good, so I decided... You know how I kind of live there? And I kind of, kind of work there? Let me just continue on it. Now, here we are, straight on another episode where I'm gonna tell you about first-hand accounts of the American about the American Civil War's famous battle, Kennesaw Mountain. Now, you might be like, okay, yeah, some people were in it, but what? How bad could it be? Now, some of you probably would be in part would be wanting to pursue a medical. A medical career. Well, imagine if you were a surgeon during the American Civil War. You would be like, oh, all you have to do is close your eyes and go. <laughs> Let's hear an account. Now, I will be starting off with the Union, the Union soldiers. Now, so this is what the Union surger, surgeon, Calibor J. Walton decides to say about the war. It was sent to his wife. It was sent to his wife from Kennesaw Mountain, Georgia on June 29th, 1864. Now, I'm going to be reading the entire letter that he is writing and mainly the letter is going to be about why he hates, why he hates war, about the gore and bloodshed. Now, if you are a sensitive person, please, you can, you can like skip, you can go watch my Kenny Saw Mountain episode, but like this letter is going to include a lot of gory details, so if you don't want that, then don't worry. Now, let's start. My dear wife. I am sick. Yes, sick and tired of bloodshed. Weary and worn out with it. We have been on this campaign 56 days and it's almost been one continued scene of carnage from day to day. I am not out of much of the groans of the wounded from morning till night. My hands are constantly steeped in blood. I have them, I had them in blood and water so much that the nails are soft and tender. I've amputated limbs until it almost makes my heart ache to see a poor fellow coming in the ambulance to the hospital. Now, uh, I'm going to cut the letter. Just for you guys who don't know, the hospital is a field hospital. They're usually little large tents, larger than the ones that they sleep in where they are treated by surgeons who usually cut their legs off. And the ambulance are just cart wagons. So yeah, not, not, not exactly the fastest. Now continue. I have not time to give you an account of the suffering of the poor soldiers of this hardest of all campaigns. To give you a faint idea 
of some of their sufferings, I will tell you that our troops are sometimes ordered to charge the rebel fortifications. And of course, many of them are killed and wounded. Occasionally, our men have to fall back a short distance, leaving the wounded on the ground between the lines of our troops and the enemy where they are bound to remain until we regain the ground, which is sometimes a day or two. Now, I'm gonna cut that a bit short. One good example of this, he's probably talking about Cheatham Hill, actually. Now, what he's saying is something similar to what happened at Cheatham Hill. Now, the Union wounded, the Union wounded were all in the front little trench in front of the fortifications. Now, the guns couldn't shoot them, but they, but most of them are dead. And some of, just a select few are still alive. Burning in the sun, heat. Of course, they can't sweat. Well, they can sweat, but with blood. Uh, they cough and choke, and most importantly, they do not have any source of food or water. I'm sorry, that was very gory. Anyways, uh, fun fact. Did you know that their mouths were covered with blood? They went, <coughs> and then boom, the blood splurts out. Very graphic and disgusting, right? So it's easy to see why surgeons are not that happy. When surgeons are presented the person who they need to heal, they see a nayball pushing blood out of the leg, and then they cut the leg off and have all the blood run out. You know, the gross stuff. Yes, so he actually is talking about them. And here, he says, you may well suppose that their suffering is immense. They're left without water or anything else. In the broiling hot sun with broken bones at the same time between the fire of both our guns and the enemies flies below them and before they can possibly be removed they're often almost covered in maggots i could tell you of many yes in the most distressing cases of wounds they're just arms shot off, legs shot off. Eyes shot outs, brain shot outs, lung shot outs, in a word, everything shot to pieces and totally maimed for all afterlife. The horror of this war can never be half told. Citizens at home can never know one fourth part of the misery brought about this terrible rebellion. We have been near Kennesaw Mountain for about two weeks and the rebels are still resisting us at every step. It is true that we have driven them back a few miles, but they only fall back a couple hundred yards at a time and fortify and fight us again. Sometimes they'll make a charge upon us we drive them back with a dreadful slaughter. Now, that was only one expert of his letter to his wife. 
And can you sell mountain? Or extreme? Can you sell mountain was not exactly the fun, the most fun thing on earth. As after, as after, he wrote this letter. He was given another case where it was worse than the worst cases that he described. The head had been shot basically completely apart. Uh, so he was treating the patient, and now it was very hard. There was a musket ball in his head, uh, a quarter of his face, of the patient's face, was blown off, and there was gore, blood, and brain, and brain parts just pouring out. Now imagine doing that with your bare hands. I'm sorry everybody who wants to go into a medical career, but I'd say good thing you're not in the Civil War or else you'd throw up every five minutes. Now that was only one, one out of the thousands of accounts from Union or Confederate surgeons. And I can and I can assure you that they were just as terrible. But this was a surgeon. He wasn't well known. He wasn't like a captain or a colonel. Well, during the Kennesaw Mountain Battle, the third Kentucky captain's John Tutti, or whatever his name is, Tutti. For those who are like who are still very childish, it sounds like the word toot. But this man does have an interesting story. Now these things he didn't actually say. He didn't actually write. Instead, he said it. So it would be even more of a good account. So what happens here? is you gotta understand something. He was a captain. Captains are usually intense. But when the battle breaks out, the captains are always gonna be leading the men. Leading the men in front and easily, and can easily be shot and die. Which I'd say is pretty sad. Now he said a few different things on different occasions, but I will only be covering the things that he said on June on June 26th and June 27th. Now, this is what he said with his own mouth on June 26th. Lay in the same place all day. Some spirited Canadine off to our left. Some of our batteries probably engaged in Kennesaw. We were ordered to the front about dark but the order was not countermanded. Late at night, received orders to be in readiness to march tomorrow at sunrise with 60 rounds of cartridges. Now, what he is describing is most likely the, the, commanding, the commanding general, Major General William Tecumseh Sherman's orders for them to make a frontal assault. And this frontal assault would come at Pigeon Hill, which be which would be pretty um uh how should I say oh yeah 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 uh not not that not that fun 
Actually, yeah, a heck of a lot of people died. Now, this is what he said the next day on June 27th. Between 8 and 9 o'clock, we formed in a column by Division 2 Company's front to attack the Rebel Works in cooperation with Davis's division connecting to us on the right. Moving forward in double quick within 30 or 40 yards to their work with pieces and cap and bayonets fixed. The enemy opened a murderous fire on us. With such effect, our commanders deployed the regiments as best they could and restored to the use of powder and lead instead of the bayonets as was first intended. Our men lay down and fought them near an hour when Davis's division on our right gave way, compelling us to do of the course to do the same. While we were fighting, we compelled them to keep their heads down, but when we gave the when we gave way, they rose up and poured a murderous fire into our backs. Our men rushed back into the immense herd of frustrated bulls, running over and trampling each other underfoot. I was run over and badly bruised, but glad to get off so well. Our regiment lost 38 killed and wounded. Our brigade lost a great many valuable officers, including its extra excellent commander, Brigade General Charles G. Hawker, who received a wound while endeavoring his men to lead over the rebel works. Now in this very battle, in this vi very battle that he's talking about, about 231 killed and, killed and wounded were there, which made a sufferable loss to his company. Now he has many other things that he said about each day. But you know, we can't only focus on things like the Union. There are other people. For example, the Confederates. Because the Confederates were also human beings and also present. Now I shall be only pointing out the most important one. Which I think is the most important. I'm sorry. Now we're going to be following Private William Norrell from the 6633 Georgia Private William Norrell, which is a very big mouthful of a name. Now because I do not want to be, now because I do not want people screaming at me for being a pro for being a pro-Confederate, which I am not, guys. I hate the Confederates. But you still need to listen to what they have to say because they also have their own perspective. But here is only one thing that I will be reading. One thing that he said 
which he said on June 17th, or 18th. He said this, when after a day of fighting, skirmishing, and shelling, in which a great many casualties must have occurred, but not of, we again left that night and took another position on the two smaller mountains along the roadside, still near Marietta next morning. Now, something that you must know about Confederate accounts. Whenever they refer to the word Yankee, they're talking about the Union soldiers, as they were basically using the word Yankee as an insult. It meant, during the American Revolution, the British used it as an insult, but still the British did not win. And after that, the Americans proudly called themselves Yankees. But now, the, the Confederates were now turning the word Yankee into something hap, something sad, something happy, and then something worse. So that's basically what it meant when they ever said the word Yankee. Now, it's important to understand that these accounts were not the only accounts. They were from multiple people, multiple people anywhere. And it wasn't only confined to Kennesaw Mountain. Throughout the entire Civil War, heck, all the wars in general, there were people who had first-hand accounts of the battles and the gore and the glory that they saw during their time during the war. Many of them would not live. Many of them would return home, and many who returned home would recap his experiences in books. It is important to read these letters, for instead of just listening to what the historians say, you can listen to what the people who actually experienced it said. And that is the importance of letters and quotes from people from soldiers to colonels to captains and officers and generals of any war. Now, after listening to this, I advise you, go onto the internet. Scouts, quotes from soldiers. You don't need to get any specific war, but if you want to, you can get one from Kennesaw Mountain. You can open up a few quotes read it, and think about what would you say if you were in the midst of all that bloody and gore. I'm Andrew Wang, your amateur historian, and I'll see you next time.